right. Uh, Payman, thank you so much for uh, coming on and talking to us here on Trial by Fire. You are one half of the YouTube couple known as Nomads Trails. You and, well, uh, Payman and his partner Matilda, they've been cycling around the world and the plan to spend the next 10 years doing so, um, which is for me it just sounds absolutely staggering but you know i was turned on to your mission by a good friend of mine who's helping me get into bike touring and bike packing so uh so shout out to my friend chris in the uk but um you know since you guys are based in finland as well that it, you know it seemed like a good you good seemed like a good person to have on the show um but could you tell us a little bit about yourself uh just a really quick kind of like what you're doing um kind of what your background is and you know why did you decide to start doing this this uh this trip Thanks for having me here, it's, uh, and thanks to your friend Chris. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Shut uh, up, Chris. And yeah, uh, well, I really, you know, the nature is home. You know, first of all, nature is home. So I grew up, uh, I grew up uh, more or less, uh, more or less, just uh, camping, hiking, and uh, and doing outdoor stuff uh, since I'm a kid. My my father. Used to go a lot to the mountains, hunting, fishing, and yeah. I grew up in in this kind of environment, and I really, really enjoy of uh, enjoy of being outdoors and and seeing another uh, seeing the seeing different countries, different natures, different cultures, different different um, different environments, you know, and there is a uh, in different natures, different survival skills, you know, people how they live, what they do, there's so much knowledge and yeah, I really, really like like uh, like cycling because it is a, such a free way. Um there's such a freedom, let's say, in a cycling when you go around the world. It's it's absolutely incredibly um incredible incredibly free. Yeah. So I can go and uh, and take my time talk to people and you know learn be with them laugh with them look at the animals put my tent in this nice place you know just absorb it's it's just an amazing mm. way of life no it's really interesting and i think for me the thing that's the the most kind of a, uh, appealing part about it or the the most uh, sort of fascinating thing about what you're doing specifically is that it's pretty much like you carry everything you own on that bike like from what i can understand or what from what i can see you live a fairly minimalist sort of lifestyle it's not like after a trip you go home to your big house or you know your tv or whatever uh, correct me if i'm wrong but my understanding is that you you live quite a minimalistic uh, existence in general um would that be fair to say yeah that is that's more or less yeah true i just got just got a small storage like uh, matilda's parents they were they were really kind to get to to let us store our equipment so I got a small storage in their house and that's it you know my bicycle is like uh, my I have all the survival tools on a bicycle which I can I can basically leave from minus let's say five or maybe ten to plus whatever I can I can even build a build a shelter you know. It's my working office. I have some hobbies, you know. It's it's like everything, every, every, all of my life, you know. I can just be very comfortable with my bicycle and and yeah, do whatever I want. Yeah. 
it's it's amazing yeah i really love that freedom yeah, yeah it's really cool and i think it it harps back to i suppose the almost the original intention for the bicycle when it was first invented you know people were using their bikes to travel long distances it wasn't necessarily just like a computer a, a commuter tool like we have today or for getting around town like bicycles off-road and bikepacking and stuff like that was that was that's the purest form of of kind of cycling at least in my understanding yeah of yeah yeah you can you can go to the places which is which yeah you uh, in a which which rarely you can basically with the with the food if you wanted to use your own body and and yeah you there is so much now like a, a countryside tracks you know and gravel roads and like old roads also you know sometimes you end up in a you can use also even the animal track you know it, you you just go and and you're you're in the middle of Norway. In Norway, I was like a, almost a ten days. I didn't see anyone, you know. I was just fishing, eating berries. That's so cool, man. And you um you have a, a background as a wilderness guide, right? As far as I'm understanding, you you studied to be a wilderness guide. Whereabouts did you study here in Finland? Yeah, I studied in um, in Kuru in South Finland, close to Tampere. Okay, cool. Yeah. Has has that had um. Has that had like much of an effect on your sort of your mentality or your survival skills on the road? I think survival skills is probably like a very like hardcore term to 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 use. I I, I don't mean survival. I, I suppose I mean uh, the skill set that you have as a outdoor wilderness instructor and guide. What elements of that are playing into your kind of day to day when it comes to kind of not just cycling, but you know. Because because you you you've also spent a bit of time kind of base camping recently, as far as I understand. Yeah, I was in in Norse uh, in Lapland uh, almost for around a month. I was in the forest and it was amazing. Yeah, but um, uh, regarding your question, it is um, one of the amazing things about the wilderness guide study was uh, risk and risk assessment. That was something I really really liked, uh, and it was. Uh, it gives um you know you have you have plan a you have plan b you know you know how to decide and um, but still you go after your plan a in a way there's no plan b and c you know because if you believe in plan b and c you're gonna to you're gonna to fail in a plan a right okay That's you know what i mean yeah sure yeah no this is art it, it just goes in all the parts of a life you know mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. you don't believe in what you do if you think, okay, I'm doing this, but mm, yeah, if it didn't work out, mm-hmm. I will do that one. Yeah, but if you think about growing that one, that B plan, then your A plan will be, you know. So are you telling me basically that? Basically, failed right now. Right. So, so, so <laughs> right. So you're telling me that if you rely too heavily on B and C, then maybe there's less emphasis on actually achieving plan A? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But. The art is, I believe at least, you need to have a really concrete plan B and C, very concrete one, but you need to ignore it after making that. Make that plan, then ignore it. Imagine it's not existing at all and go after that plan A right. the way your life depends on it. Okay. okay. That's what I did. I like that. That's really cool, man. Because, <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you, you, you guys – definitely had a plan b when it came to uh, well i suppose you i would like for you to kind of maybe talk a little bit about mm-hmm. this but from what i've seen on your youtube you, you kind of uh went from 
you kind of got stuck in Africa for a while and then you came back to Finland and then your plan was to go back and continue where you left off in Africa, but you got ended up getting stuck in Finland again. So your plan B then was to actually cycle the length of Finland from down from Helsinki up to the, the Arctic Circle, which I think is a, is a fucking cool trip. But like to do that in the temperatures and the time of the year that you did it, arguably it may be more difficult than the trip you had planned originally, like which was down in Africa. Uh, it, it was in some some circumstances definitely was yeah it what, was it was quite challenging like the, those challenges well what kind of challenges were you facing i mean again like just from what i'm seeing on your videos like the the temperatures alone were probably really difficult yeah it was like we cycled in minus minus 30 uh, minus 25 and, and yeah and and slept in it we slept basically on almost i would say 90 percent of the nights during the trip in um in a tent you know that the challenges is like uh, it is it is there is so much challenge but amazing thing is to get over those challenges you know it's a mind plays a game over there you know i wanted to when, when i go get on a bicycle you know for example in the morning i wanted to put so much clothes on because it's so cold but i know after five minutes of cycling i'm going to i'm going to get warm you know so I should not put so much clothes because I will sweat. And if I sweat, that sweat dries and then that is not good. So I need to, so, you know, for example, so I do not put so much clothes, but when I do not put so much clothes, it is uncomfortable. Sure. Sure. You know what I mean? So these sort of like small, small challenges and when your hands are frozen, you're lazy. I don't want to take the camera out, you know, oh mm. no. Right. And recording in that temperature, I tell you, that was something even like Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> because you put the camera, you go, you come back, you know? Yeah. That was quite something. <laughs> but I, yeah, but I really like it. I think I like to, to be able to survive and handle any kind of temperature and leave that my mentality where I grew up. Um, be able to survive and live in any kind of temperature outside like uh, how our ancestors have lived you know i would like to be able to live I i'm using much more of course technology much more thing than than they had definitely and but i would like to at least get a test of you know those life and and try to try to yeah, manage outdoors so that's also a very one of the reasons I like to do these kind of extreme, extreme, extreme trips, let's say. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And there's a lot in there that I would like to come back and kind of talk to you a little bit about, particularly kind of mm. about the technology side of things. But my kind of main takeaway from that and what you're telling me, particularly when you're talking about, you know, making plan A, B and C, but then sticking to plan A as if B and C do not exist. Um, yeah. I mean, your first, your first trip was from Rovaniemi to Portugal, which is what, like 7,000 kilometers over five months. And, you know, up to that point, uh, from what I understand, you didn't, you didn't, you had never cycled a trip like that before. And I think this ability to throw yourself into the deep end and getting shit done, I think that's, um, that's something that I really, that I really respect. But what is there, is there a balance between like getting the right kit, getting all your ducks in a row, having a plan in place versus like just taking the leap, getting it done, starting the adventure and, you know, playing it by ear. Like, is there a balance there for you? And like, how do you weigh those things up? 
Yeah, this is a very, very, very interesting question. But I think, I think that you really do not need that much of a top, top gear for for many, many adventures. You know, especially if you have, you have a, you have a time to um to you you are free in a in a trip you have a time to do things you know sometimes you have a deadline you know you you need to do this for example you need to race mm-hmm. and get to from a to b in mm-hmm. this time and you have to make it then you might need a quite a specific kind of gear but if you don't have a deadline and you wanted to go from finland to portugal you know you you go with any bicycle more or less you know you just make sure your bicycle you it has a right fit it doesn't hurt your body you know you have a good seat so you don't make any damage to your body and you go when it breaks down you fix it you know you have a time so and or you get the military uh, military grade for example gorotex jacket and you you stitch it and you do you do couple of a uh, couple of uh, adjustment in that and it works for you as a 500 euro shell layer you you pay for it 20 euro sure. you know so cool yeah no i yeah no absolutely i love i love military surplus stuff i only re, only today was looking at because uh, i saw you had a video on your hestra uh, mittens yeah. and uh the principles within those obviously they're that's an expensive glove mm-hmm. but the i am using the swedish um Swedish Army yeah. uh, surplus, surplus military yeah. mittens with the glove, with the you know the wool insole or in you know glove the wool liner, yeah. the same kind of outer layer, the leather and all that. But the principles are the same. I think I paid like fifteen euro for them, and that is now enabling me to be on a, a snowmobile, for example, or riding the dogs uh, when I'm up up north in the wintertime without feeling uh, kind of scared about it. But um. But yeah, I, I think you're right. But because because there's there's a saying that I really don't like, and I think there's a there's a lot of nuances in it. Is you know the old saying that says like a bad carpenter blames his tools. I think that's only that's only true to a certain degree because if you're on like a very sort of as you said a very specific mission or a very specific sort of deadline or something, you need the tools to get you there. If you're sleeping in minus fifteen. You need the tools to keep you warm and, you know, a cheap sleeping bag isn't going to do. And and I think that from what I can see of your kit, because um, you're very generously kind of put your kit list up on your website. And for anybody who's interested, they should go to Nomads Trails and you can see all of Payman's uh, kind of kit list there. But you you have it's like there's a weird mix there because on one hand, you're using the really good stuff, the Hilleberg tents, the MSR stoves and stuff. But then, but then your hammock is like ticket to the moon, which, you know, here in Finland, you can get, pick up one of those on literally any, like any like K market, like a uh, outdoor aisle of the, of the supermarket. So uh, what are, what are your parameters when you're choosing kit like that? Yeah. Uh, I, I look, when I look at the, uh, when I choose the kit, um, I, I think, I think about usually uh, of course, the durability of the kit. I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, uh, I don't want to throw a tent away each like a five five months or one tent to the nature. You know, I want to get. A, I'm gonna get a tent in a way which are, which it will work for me for years because of saving resources and also it's good for my my uh, my budget. Also, I can depend on it when I am in a harsh condition, but. But look, if I, I am doing the same trip, I don't have a money, let's say, for a Hilleberg tent. 
okay, I can get another cheap tent. I can get um, uh, take a, take a, some sewing, uh, good uh, sewing stitch, and uh, some some good pieces of fabric, and and then I also check the weather. You know, okay, I know today it's the uh, next uh, tomorrow, for example, it's going to be a very hard storm. You know, I just go and find the shelter. So it is possible to do any trip, you know, if you have a time to fix your, your equipment, you know. So, and if you have, um, if you also have a little bit of skills, so you can do with any kind of trip. But I choose, I chose high end. Some of my equipments are pretty high end and pretty durable equipments. And the reason, main reason for it is because of course I do this video uh, and I record and do these things and I do not have a, so much time sometimes to fix fix this stuff you know so i would like to okay i know this one works but if i wouldn't have um the youtube channel for example i wouldn't record and i wouldn't have the social media and i wouldn't really need in my opinion that much of a high-end equipment you know so yeah so i would say really to the people do not never let equipments to hold you back from your dream right Right. That's kind of, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking about there and, and like being afraid to take a trip or to go on an adventure because you feel like you don't have the right tools or, you know, that what you have isn't good enough. Maybe it isn't, but I think the, for me, what I think also the, the, um, the research is almost more important. Like you're saying, checking what the kind of average temperatures are where you're going, you know, whether or not there's available shelters to you, like there are here in Sweden or in Finland and, and also in Sweden and Denmark and stuff. And uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Look, for example, now, now the bicycle industry, it is like a little bit like a fashion show, like outdoor industry, to be honest. And, and I find it quite crazy, to be honest. Like they make, they, they go around the weight so much and they make equipments, uh, equipments very lightweight. They advertise around the weight. So you end up buying equipments, which is very light and people, people, some, but I can generalize, I can say everyone, of course, but yeah, sometimes you see we are very obsessed about the weight, 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 and then you end up spending a lot of money for a lightweight equipment, which breaks down very easily, you know, and so then this being said, imagine, for example, let's talk about the bicycle, bicycle word, touring word, for example. Now they have made for every kind of train, we have a specific kind of bicycle. And I sometimes find it like, a, to be honest, I can cycle with two inch tires, more or less every kind of terrain but sometimes yeah if it's really wet ramp or sometimes if it's really muddy or whatever um, sometimes I'm, i might push the bicycle and that's okay mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know so we really do not need a specific thing we can always adjust you know you can always you don't need exactly the best gear no you definitely can adjust. You definitely can do so many things. You know, I have had so much fun with my old Cannondale. It had like a, I think one 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 point one and a half inch or something like this white tire. I don't remember. It was quite a quite narrow. And I cycled crazy road. Just getting it done. Yeah, it just I, I really cycled such a crazy road with that bicycle. And, and I keep checking the spokes, and I never broke a spoke. Right. Just keeps going. So you know. 
Yeah, just keep going. Yeah. But now, for example, you see, sometimes I see now, so oh, you need a disc break. Why? I'm not stopping an airplane, you know, I'm stopping. Right. It has more power. <laughs> and then I, it's a bicycle, you know. Yeah. It's not airplane. <laughs> okay, what do you mean? Right. And also, I don't know need. Sure. And much more difficult to fix on the road if, if they break down than just regular old it school brakes. It is, indeed. Yeah, yeah it, is. it has some advantages. I, I understand that. Uh, it has some advantages, but it's not really that huge, which I could, I could suggest someone, please sell your working bicycle and buy that one for 5,000 euros. You, know, you just can can develop your skills. Or for example, if you're in a tour, how to build a build a wheel. You know, so because the with the with the, for example with the rim brakes, your side of your rim gets worn out, and maybe after I don't know depends on which kind of uh, terrain you're riding. But maybe after twenty thousand kilometers, you have to change your uh, rim. You know, so then you just can swap your rim, get a new rim, put it there, and go. And that's it. That, that needs a little bit of a skill. With the with the disc brake, you don't need to do that. So this is what I mean. You know, if you have a little bit of a skill, if you have a little bit of time, you know, it is it's all good. You know, you just can do many things with the old equipments we had, and yeah, and those are still great and they work. Yeah, totally. And they're cheap. For sure, and they're cheap as well. I think it, it kind of there's a big crossover there as well when it comes to the outdoor community as well, or bushcraft and kind of camping and hiking in general. I mean, like you're saying, like the old steel frame bikes, the old you know simple pad brakes, you know rim rim brakes, all that stuff. It's it's easily fixable yourself. It's easily fixable on the road. You know, you're always going to find a welder in a local town or something, and it's like. I feel like, uh, again, I'm just getting really new into the kind of cycle touring world and the kind of the, the, my head is spinning with the, with the details within every single part of the bike that I have to learn. But I think from what I've seen in the outdoor community in general, and especially in bushcraft, it's like, um, selling you, uh, kind of equipment for problems that you didn't even know existed to begin with. So like they're almost creating new problems for you in order to sell you something that fixes the problem where it wasn't really a problem to begin with, as far as I was aware of, you know, so it's like this new thing can do this thing even better than you ever had a problem to do it before. And it's like, Oh, well, I didn't feel like I needed that, but I guess it's, it's marketing in general, isn't it? It's what every, every piece of commercial sales has been since the beginning of time. Yeah. Yeah. It is like, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Uh, like sometimes I come to the houses and I see like there's a there's a many knives and I'm like one poop is <laughs> enough for me and I can't I use any of, of those knives to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I just ate my poop but I can't just use them and there's a many knives for each purpose. I'm like okay, right, <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I do, dude. I, I gotta put I gotta put my hands up there because I uh, I do a lot of writing for knives and tools in the Netherlands, mm. and I have I am one of those people that has collected a giant box <laughs> of knives. <laughs> but I agree with you, you know, you know, a simple puko, a simple Mora Knieve, or an old Martini, or something like that, um, is gonna do the trick. Um, mm. But like, what what advice would you have for someone who, let's say, like myself, and this is kind of a selfish question as well, because I'd love to pick your brain on this, um, is completely new to this 
wants to do a trip, like let's say, for example, for me, my I'm thinking about going from here in Vasa, maybe down to Helsinki in the springtime. So you're looking at maybe 450 kilometers, temperatures in and around between two and eight degrees average. Um, what am I looking at when it, when it comes to a bike, particularly in Finland? To bicycle, yeah? Yeah, you're asking yeah. about bikes. Yeah, I would I would say get get just a bicycle. It can be, uh, for example, with the Shimano trailer, trailer, trailer bicycle. It can be a, a rim brake or it can be a, a disc brake. Rim brakes are of course uh, are cheaper. Get that. Just make sure it is. It has a. You have a good seat. And you have a good bike fit. So when you cycle long days in your, uh, you're on a bicycle, you do not hurt your knee, or you do not hurt, uh, you do not hurt your, you do not hurt your body, you know. And then after that, you know, you can just, uh, if you have orderly bags, cool for pannier, put it, and you're off to go. Then don't worry. You know, put your, you put your shelter. You need, you need your shelter. It's really nice. And then I love to cook. It's one of the highlight of my day is cooking. cooking. I love to cook in my campsite. Right. So if you right. if you like cooking cool, take your shelter, take your take your cooking stuff. And it's nice to do also in a if you're not experienced outdoor person, I would really highly recommend to do it in a in a summertime when the weather is nice. Okay. And do and do it maybe because in the first time I would say maybe it takes around one week to 10 days or maybe even two weeks till your body gets used to cycling, you know. So maybe take, have a little bit of longer uh, longer time, you know, maybe three weeks or something and do not have really so much of a deadline you have to reach to this point. Just go with the flow, listen to your body and enjoy off ride and yeah, and go and and especially it's amazing if when you go solo, one of the greatest thing about going solo is you end up talking to so many people and you're making so many friends. And that is really nice. So. But of course, it's amazing to share it with, if you have a partner or friend, it's fantastic. But normally when you are alone, uh, people, they come and they talk to you. So don't worry if you're alone. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. will make a lot of friends, tons of no, that- that's awesome. That's so cool, man. I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the kind of the nomadic kind of element of things um, as well, because I feel like well, you, you use the word nomad a lot. And I think in a lot of ways, you're kind of you're embodying um, a very nomadic lifestyle. You're carrying a lot of the stuff you own on your person. Um, and and I think that the, the term digital nomads, which is, you know, has been coined very recently, um, I suppose it refers to someone who is has the ability to be able to move beyond the go, kind of be able to work from anywhere in the world. And I really love that idea. But like, you know, how does technology interfere with your mission? Because as you were saying there earlier, like recording in really cold temperatures or having to take the camera out and things like that. But like your day to day, you're obviously, you know, you're obviously very comfortable on the camera and, you know, uh, you need that exposure f- to continue for people to be able to support you and things. But like, what is the advantages and disadvantages of that? Like the ability to record and to be a digital nomad and to like be on the road and documenting your trip versus just being able to just enjoy it. Like how do you balance those things? 
Yeah, this is this is a lot depends on a personal personal preference, in my opinion. If if you are a person who uh, who likes recording and who likes sharing sharing things with the with the people uh, in online world, it is fantastic. It's, uh, you can do, for example, similar things to what I do, or you find your own path. For me, this is really nice. I really like it. Uh, yeah. Also, because my personality is in a way, I'm a pretty social person. So it's also very nice. It's a, it's a privilege to have um, people from all around the world, uh, friends from all around the world, so I can communicate. It's just amazing. Also, another thing is I really love this idea of I can um, I can maybe have a small impact or let's say encourage or inspire someone who go go uh, to go out and do their what they what they like, you know? And maybe try to be helped with giving some tips or something like that. So that's also one of the things I really love it love to do so that is also keeps sorry okay that's also keeps me uh inspires me and gives me positive energy to to record and do these things so but definitely there's a times uh i i feel like oh yeah okay today i don't want to touch the camera i don't want to do anything i just wanted to be here and talk with this person you know and just be you know so i do that but there's people, they just always, they just don't want to record, you know, they just don't want to. So it doesn't fit for everyone, let's say. Yeah, but it is an amazing financially also, of course, it is it is great. Uh, I, I really, I have this privilege uh, to be able to continue a trip and, and more or less, uh, more or less support the trip. But now we are in almost minus seven or eight thousand, eight thousand euros <laughs> oh, <laughs> because right. we, we had to buy okay. some electronics and blah blah. But uh, yeah, it is all right. So yeah, I think I think totally depends on you. But I really love it, and it is it's amazing. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, yeah, and no, I really enjoy watching uh, your energy, no matter where you are. Like whether you're cycling up the side of a motorway with like trucks going past, and you know the the snow is like hammering your face, you always seem to have a really positive mind frame, and uh, that's quite unique. You know, it's really it's really fun to watch you on screen because of your sort of energy and your kind of optimism. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to tell you that it's one of the things that I really like about your stuff. Um, do you think it would be possible to do this trip if you didn't have those channels? Like obviously a lot of, you know, how much of the, of the trip are you relying on people's support and follower support versus your own sort of, uh, yeah, I guess like, and I'm not, I suppose financially, but also mm. just motivationally as well, you know? Um, uh, uh, financially, if uh, I had plan B, okay, if I could not, it wouldn't work out, um, then I, I I would I thought or I come back to Finland now and then and I work uh, and then I save money. I work for three four months, uh, three months I save money and I go. And if it wouldn't work out, obviously I would spend very less money also because now, for example, I spend a lot of money for cameras. I spend a lot of money for, on a I maybe each one year, unfortunately, I have to buy a new phone and I don't know, so many electronics. 
So I wouldn't have this expense or treat would be cheaper. I definitely think it is possible to do it in a much more cheaper than way than I do uh, right now because the work also costs. So yeah, that thing uh, in inspiring uh, what you ask in the second way, it is it's really amazing definitely to have to have all the all the support um, behind behind us. It is it is it is amazing. I'm I'm really really very happy, but also uh, to be very honest, I am a kind of a person. I think I really love going and I really love learning in a lot. So being a nomad and going to the different cultures and different countries and just being with them and trying to be a part of them, you know, trying to be a part of their culture, like it just be with them and trying to be also in an environment, in a nature over there and see, okay, like how how is this nature, how I can live in this nature, how I can test my survival skills in this nature. So these are some of the things makes me makes me to keep going. I can't stay in one place at the moment for uh, for a long time because, yeah, I feel like I need to more grow. You get itchy feet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, no, I think um, it, it's funny because what you're talking about there, I guess, is like experiential uh, wealth or the richness of experience um, over sort of uh, the richness of, let's say, the conventional idea, which is richness of uh, material wealth or, or, or things like that. And I think um, this sort of trip that you're taking uh, 10 years around the world on a bicycle, I think probably is more acceptable today than it probably has been in a long time. I think particularly in the younger generations now, my generation and, and probably yours and, and, and younger than us as well, um, there is less money to go around these days. People don't have cars and and large properties and things um, the way maybe our parents did. And I think the, the, the generations that are coming up now, like they're much more they place much more value on experiences and um, richness of life experience. And like you said, visiting new places, seeing new cultures. And I think, uh, you know, it's, 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 you, I mean, you said it yourself that, you know, you've never understood why somebody would want a big expensive house or something when, you know, a small space is, is enough. And, you know, I think that, that kind of like, um, I'm sure I'm sure you hear a lot of people telling you like, oh, you're living the dream or whatever. But I imagine that comes with a lot of sacrifice. You know, obviously you don't have the the stability there like like a normal person or you don't have the normal things on day to day, like a TV to sit down and chill out. Or, you know, I imagine fatigue probably gets quite difficult to deal with sometimes when you have to be constantly moving or constantly thinking about the next step. Like, how do you deal with with those kind of things? Like, are you do you feel like the the. I know that's there's obviously a lot to unpack in there, but the the experience versus the let's say the reliability of the traditional sort of um, lifestyle. How do you how do you balance those things? Yeah, uh, for me, I don't feel to be honest comfortable when I am I am not uh, when I am I have everything. Uh, I, I am in a house. Let's say I don't feel comfortable. I like to go and collect more water. You know, from a wheel and bring it there. It is. I don't know. This is how I maybe are born. I don't know, or I learned. I don't know. This is like it. This is just inside me. You know, I'll. I like to 
like live a little bit like how animals they live, let's say. As much as close I can I can be. I like to work for my daily things, for my daily basic need, you know. And I think that makes me very happy. So that makes me to enjoy of a simple things in a life. So what it makes me going is when I, I am in my tent in the evening and I have one uh, cup of cup of warm tea or a coffee, I say, oh man, life is good. <laughs> this, is some, this is something, you know, mm-hmm. when I was working in Helsinki from five to eight, you know, and I was getting uh, five to, sorry, uh, sorry, not five, from eight to four, mm-hmm. and I was getting paid quite okay, you know. Mm-hmm. I really miss that. Mm-hmm. And that is everything in a life. I am happy to sacrifice uh, having less money, but do as a work what I love and enjoy of simple things and still be connected to those to those my basic needs, you know. It's important to cook your own food, uh, for me at least, you know. It's very important to, I see, okay, I go, I take my berry from side of my tent and make my porridge in the morning. Oh, nice. Life mm-hmm. is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you that. go. There you go, yeah. That's that is how I see, you know. For me, it is everything, everything, you know. Totally, totally. And, and I've heard that a lot from people who, let's say they, they maybe hike the Appalachian Trail or something like that, where the simplicity of the routine of every day of like, just have I got enough water? What are the miles I'm tracking today? You know, uh, have I got enough food? Where am I staying tonight? Like they, they, these simple questions that like, that's literally all you need to think about. Like you don't have to be thinking about your bills or your, you know, your, your mortgage and all that shit. Um, and I can totally understand the the balance there or or, you know the the ideal of that or why people would choose to go down that route and i think like so you you've uh well uh, from what i say on your last kind of few um things on your instagram is that you kind of spent was it a month staying put in finland but like still living in Mm -hmm. the forest what was your what was your setup there and and what were the the differences maybe or your different mindset between staying put for a month in the on a campsite or not on a campsite but on in a field i guess or in in the forest in your tent versus versus getting up and packing your your bike to get on to the next place was there was there a, a conflict of of where you want them to get moving like how, how are you feeling about that um there was few reasons i did that and um, and yeah there's differences I first of all I really like also being in one place for a while in one campsite because the the nature you nature accepts you as a part of part of your part, part of that environment you know you see like for example a fox uh, one day when I was there after two weeks fox just straight away walked to my face <laughs> brilliant and and the reason was because he was. I knew he's going around my campsite. I have seen him, uh, seen his track uh, around fresh track, but he got used to my smell. You know, he accepted. Okay, this is something. It's here. You know, so he just walked totally. And in, in North Finland, it's very rare. You don't you don't see the fox really in the forest. <laughs> they are just woo, they run away. Elusive. Yeah. So unlike this one. Uh, one of the things is about being in one place I really like 
is um, is yeah, that nature accepts you and you understand. You have a time a little bit to, you know, breathe in. And nature is like a newspaper. You read it. You know, there's, you know, so so yeah, I, I can I have a time to be and to read. It, you know, that was one of the, one of the things I really like sometimes to be in one place for a while. I really really like it. And then then the other thing was um, well. I was 38 years old. I am 38 years old, if I remember right. I don't remember. Anyway, I think I'm around 38. <laughs> so then, then yeah, I just, I just out uh, like, hmm, I got all of my dream in my life came true. You know, there was at the, at the moment I tell like I, I really did what I wanted till this moment, and 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 yeah, things which I didn't do I chose not to do. So so I I tell yeah I also wanted to have like to see okay what what I want because I, I am a kind of a person I always also like to go. I like to have mountains, like to zoom it. By that, I is a metaphor of having like some goal to get it, and then after that, I get to another goal. I always like to this kind of have this kind of goal in my own life. Ch- chasing the next goal. Right? Yeah, chasing, going after it. So I wanted to, yeah, set up few few things, uh, what I want to do in a life, and and yeah, for that I needed to to have a little bit of a like a time by myself and just to be I love to be with the with the people and I'm privileged to have so many friends from all around the world and I really haven't been by myself for so long time right okay okay <laughs> so it was a nice time also in that way also yeah also it was great because I could just go pick some wood for my TP you know warm up my TP I had a sauna, the Savotta sauna over there, and I could put up the sauna and just then the evening go and deep in the lake. Oh man, that was amazing! <laughs> man, it, like a lot of people, for for a lot of people, the idea of spending a whole month in a tent in the forest is like in and of itself a terrifying prospect and something of a real challenge. And you just seem to really just take it in your stride. I think you genuinely belong uh, in the, in nature. Um, and it's funny that you are saying about the fox there, because in, in the last episode we had, um, we had a man on who was talking about this concept of baseline and how, when you kind of sit still and like you allow yourself to kind of uh, become invisible to the nature and, you know, your surroundings that, you know, it starts to open up around you and you, and you, you start to see things like foxes and birds and things that are, would genuine would generally be kind of wary of human interaction. And I mean, it's only, it's funny how, how much noise you make just walking when you're going through the woods. If you ever stop, uh, particularly if you're wearing a lot of clothing, I find if I'm walking through the woods with like a heavy jacket on and stuff, or like, you know, uh, poly cotton, trousers whatever and you stop you stop walking for just a second you realize how loud your presence is in a space um and i really love that that you can spend the whole month in, in the woods and just that the the animals around you get used to your smell and then like accept you as part of the the kind of the environment i think that's really really cool yeah it was it is 
Yeah, regarding what you said, it's like it's that sound is crazy. What our clothes it makes, what our the sole of our shoes, especially these hiking boots, which are really hard. Oh, it, that is unbelievable, really. Yeah, I like to when it's not raining. Of course, I like to use woolen, woolen or at least cotton things. So they are much more quiet. And yeah, it's it's amazing how nature, nature in some way accepts you and you see i totally agree with what you said and uh, what your last guest uh, said about that you start to see a little bit like a like a like a nature in some way also you can guess i i i could guess okay this bird when for example this copecalia when flies from here i could look um apparently it's there you know it will be there we sit we sit somewhere there then I, I pass this ramp, I go to the next island. I look, there's some some trees over there, some old trees. Oh, okay, it will walk in front of me and apparently flies away from there. You go and you see, oh, yeah, it is there, it goes. And oh, man, it's amazing. Yeah, you start to read those patterns and see those kind of the, the routines yeah. of the animals around you. That is so cool, man. I um I had some some technical questions that I wanted to ask you, and these these come from my friend Chris, who uh, who did point me towards mm-hmm. you. So I think it was only fair that he was allowed to ask a couple of questions, if that's okay with you. Sure, um, definitely. Yeah. So he was asking because I know you were doing a, a, an extended review on your uh, pinion versus the the roll off. Um, and he was just wondering what the pros and cons were, especially in cold weather and which you're kind of like leaning towards. Um, it is a, it's a very challenging, challenging question, to be honest, and because they are very close, both of them. Uh, but I, I, I feel like, uh, opinion is more efficient. I feel with the Rohloff. Uh, you lose a little bit of like a, by efficiency, I mean, how much power you put on a pedal and how much your bicycle goes forward. Okay, the Shimano derailleur system is considered to be pretty, pretty efficient in this case. So I feel like yeah, the Rohloff is, when I go to the Rohloff, I have a sort of sandpaper on my, on my back, my rear wheel, you know. So yeah and yeah this is this is not what the data they have they had some test uh, test lab test and this is the lab test shows opposite in a way shows slightly the pinion is um, is less efficient compared to the rohloff but to be honest i really don't know how those lab tests has been done so it is my personal experience is not it's exactly opposite of that so and I guess maybe the maybe explanation could be because of course in a, there's so many elements have an effect on a real life than lab test. In a lab test, it's really difficult maybe to create yeah all those to create all those uh, those uh, those element all those um, like uh, arrows of power which has an effect. On the performance of the of the hub in uh, in a real life, you know, so I think that could be an explanation of that. Yeah, so yeah, I would lean. This is one reason I lean towards pinion. Second uh, second reason is um, it's I feel Rohloff needed a slightly more adjustment. 
compared to the compared to the pinion and yeah pinion i didn't need to adjust anything with the pinion it was just working and working so yeah all in all i go towards the towards the pinion but the difference is, is not that big and uh, yeah but yeah i love pinion pinion and also there's some other things which i like uh, i don't like about for example about rohloff is um well, you need, um, for example, when you have a disc break, you really need to deal with the with the Rohloff, for, for example, for your disc also, because you need to order from them the disc break. There is some, yeah, small, small, these sort of things. Of course, the uh, the pinion also, it's, you know, you're depending on Germany and the factories. If something goes wrong with these systems, you are by yourself, you know, in middle of nowhere. But yeah, that's yeah. All in all, I go with the I go with the opinion. Yeah. But the one thing about opinion, I have to know, tell tell you tell. So opinion, all the opinions I have spoken with the other people who they have the opinion also. Sometimes you might feel maybe three times a week or some days one time a week you will see like one teeth sleeping in a in a gearbox and gearbox are like dang quite a loud sound. And that is basically happens with it. And I have spoke with the with the manufacturer also, so it's uh, it happens and it doesn't harm the gearbox. But there is that with pinion. You don't have really. I had a similar things with the Rohloff in the winter, but when the summer came, that had disappeared with the Rohloff. But with the pinion, it is it goes on and it is it happens with all of them. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah. I think for 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 people who who maybe don't don't follow or aren't into cycling or whatever, because a lot of the the uh, the the listeners here would be kind of bushcraft and outdoors related. But I mean, yeah, like this information for me is like also like super interesting. And and there was one thing that I, another thing that we kind of were I was wondering about, and also was Chris was wondering about was um the balance between using a dynamo system versus a power bank system. And and maybe just for people who don't know what that is, um just really quickly, like dynamo system essentially is powering your USB um devices and stuff true to power or the friction that you're creating with your the momentum of your bike itself versus a power bank as everybody knows is like something that you just plug in but which do you prefer to use and is there times when you would use when you would more be preferring to use the power banks versus the a dynamo system on your bike for example this a little bit also depends on the environments you cycle you know for example when you cycle because when you when it is um when it's dark, if you cycle in winter, what we did last winter, we basically, it's dark, you need your lamp to be on, your bicycle's lamp to be on all the time. So your lights are on, sorry, by lamp, I mean light. Yeah, your bicycle's uh, front uh, light and rear light is on. So then you don't really get so much out of your, um, uh, you can't get basically anything, in my opinion, out of your uh, dynamo hub for charging. So so that's yeah so also if you are going like a cycling let's say in germany and you're going from the town a to town b to c so basically you have a lots of cafes you know and a lots of uh, place to charge so and then um then the uh, battery pack uh, power bank will do a will do a great job 
But if I am cycling in the middle of nowhere, and then I really need to rely on my basically uh, a dynamo. And if I have a solar panel, a solar panel, but mm-hmm. then I don't have any other choice. But an important point about the dynamo is for ch- in order to be able to charge your devices, you need to have a really, really good um, USB charge, uh, like a, a converter. Right, right, right. A faster, a kind of an, a newer, more modern sort of, is it USB-C or? Uh, it depends on your converter, but you need to have a good converter which starts to charge your devices in a, in a lower, let's say, in a lower speed, you know. Some, some, yeah, some of the USB charger, for example, they start to charge at, I don't know, nine, 10 kilometers per hour. Some of them, they start to charge at 13 and half, 14 kilometers. Some of them at 12, depends. So your average speed-wise cycling, you know, for example, if you're off-road, maybe it will be, I don't know, 12, maybe it will be 13, you know, maybe it will be 10, depends on the route you go. So this also have an effect. Your route, your average speed, and how good is your uh, how how uh, in which speed your uh, converter start to work? Those are all have an effect in this one, and it's difficult to get a good converter. To be honest, I haven't found a really good one yet. <laughs> okay, so you're so you're kind of leaning towards power banks then more often than not. Uh, I have always. I try to. Do, uh, I have it, but yeah, power banks. To be honest, they're much more. They're much more uh, useful. With the solar panel, then there is a solar. They're much more better. Uh, but if I, if when I have a good uh, good what system and when I have a good uh, good converter, uh, it is really handy. I can let's say keep more or less my mobile alive, and I have a slightly a little bit of a charge when I cy- if I cycle eighty kilometer per day. You know. Right. 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 Uh, yeah. Cool, man. This also cool. has an effect. How but, many kilometers per day you can cycle, you know, for, sure, the, sure, for yeah, that. It yeah, is very interesting concept, yeah. But if I have a possibility, I would go with it. I would have a definitely dynamic USB charger on my, on my touring bike. Okay, cool. That's that's really cool, man. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, as I said, like super new to this, but I, I really hope to be able to kind of uh, pick your brain on a few of these things kind of as I start to build a, a kit and maybe someday we'll we'll be cycling together somewhere but um so like uh payman you've been in you've you've come from finland gone across to sweden down through denmark germany france spain into africa and then you're back in finland now um what's the next what's the next plan for you i'm right now i'm dealing with the airlines <laughs> yeah yeah no i saw <laughs> I saw your I saw your post today on Instagram. You're having a a nightmare with with air man. You're getting you're having no luck getting your ass back to Africa, man. <laughs> no, no, absolutely zero. Imagine, man. I I got a bus ticket. I called to the airline. I buy tickets for the for Kenya. Okay, and now after a couple of weeks, I am off to Kenya from Helsinki. So I call to the airline, make sure, okay, can you take me and my bicycle and how much it costs? Yeah, no problem. Blah blah. And then, then I buy my ticket. Then after that, I have to wait on the phone. I think all in all, I waited 20 hours to like get in whole. Yeah, yeah, because you have to call them. You can't do it online, you know. When you buy your ticket, 
you cannot book your bicycle. So I needed to almost wait like more or less 20 hours on the phone and I'm calling to Kenya. I'm calling to Kenya. You know, the, like a phone bill gonna have to be a couple of thousands of euros. So, it, yeah, it is like unbelievable. I mean, and anyway, yeah, and then I booked with them. Uh, I booked my bicycle with the Kenyan airline and I asked, uh, before I buy the ticket, I asked, is it enough if I book it with you? Because first leg of the trip was being operated by KLM. On the phone, they told me, yeah, it is enough. But then after I bought the ticket and I called them and I asked, uh, um, they booked my my bicycle. And then they told me, yeah, but for the first leg, it's not operated by us. Then you need to go and ask, uh, call to KLM to book that. And I said, okay, happy birthday to me. Then I go to, to the same procedure with the KLM. I had to wait on the phone and then I book it. And then today I see, I open my email. I want to get, I want to see the visa procedure and blah, blah, for India. Therefore, sorry, for the, for Kenya. And I noticed, oh, shoot, actually they, <laughs> they sent me a ticket which my flight from Helsinki to um, to Holland, because my flight goes from Helsinki to Amsterdam, from Amsterdam to to Nairobi. So the, I arrived to Amsterdam after my <laughs> my second flight is departure oh, already no. to Kenya, and I was like, "Are you joking?" Oh it's my me. god, dude! And, uh, how you can even send this kind of dude that that's, Any, that stresses me out that was unbelievable then today i had to call them mm. to change the fly uh, fly uh the ticket they did that then i had to rebook all the bicycle again with them and the, again oh. i had to call to klm and again oh. book that one that is still the klm is under the it's uh, I, I am i'm still dealing with the KLM. dude you'll get there you'll get there you'll get there i i i have faith in it and i and i'm looking forward to reading your book someday with all of this <laughs> madness in it <laughs> no it, it's unbelievable and i'm like oh man yeah if, if they don't if, if it doesn't happen you know i'm going to cycle to turkey towards turkey okay and then at some uh, and then on the way or whenever then I can fly and I fly, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I will, I will. When I get there, I'm not going to come back, you know. Right, right, yeah. No, that's <laughs> that's uh, that's yeah. One way is enough, right? Yeah, exactly. For sure, for sure. But uh, payment, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you today, man. You're you're a really fun, energetic uh, person to to watch and to to talk to. Uh, so thank you so much for your time today. But just before I let you go, is where can people find your stuff, and how do they follow you, and how do they support uh, your trip? Uh, thank you. It was uh, it was definitely a pleasure to to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me here, and. Um, uh, they can, uh, if they Google uh, the Nomad Trails, they can find us on Instagram, on YouTube, on Patreon, um, yeah, in all the social media, and www.thenomadstrails.com also is our website. Payment, such a pleasure. Thank you so much, and good luck with 
good luck with your trip, man. I'm I'm following uh, every every kind of pedal of the way. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be Cheers. great, man. Thank you so much. It was it was fun to fun to fun to speak, and yeah, I hope the uh, people who they listen they find it useful and fun. Uh, yeah, and yeah, let's see how how the heck I can get to this area, man. That would be fucking fun. I don't know. <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat, man. It's like watching a some sort of weird uh, docu series play out. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but guys uh did that that's it for for this week um again go follow payment and uh and matilda they're uh they're really cool really cool guys and they're doing something really awesome um so yeah um have a good one guys and we will speak to you very soon so take care bye bye thank you so much all the best to you and yeah see you to in the world and hopefully see you on the road and we can have some fun cycling together that would be